Chapter 4 God's Blockade to the Road to Hell The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 If any man or woman in this audience is lost, it is not God's fault. God does not wish for you to be lost. God longs to have you saved. If God had His way, every man and woman would not only be saved sometime, but would also be saved immediately. God is doing everything in His power to bring you to repentance. Of course, He cannot save you if you will not repent. You can have salvation if you want to be saved from sin, but sin and salvation can never go together. Some people talk about a salvation in which man can continue in sin and still be saved. It is impossible. Sin is damnation, and if a man will go on forever in sin, he will be forever lost. But God is doing everything in His power to turn you out of the path of sin and destruction and into the path of righteousness and everlasting life. God has filled the path of sin, the path that leads to hell with obstacles. He has made it hard and bitter. A great many people are saying today, the Christian life is so hard. It is not. Christ's yoke is easy, and His burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. God tells us in His Word that the way of transgressors is hard. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15. God has filled it with obstacles, and you cannot continue in it without surmounting one obstacle after another. In this chapter, I will address some of the obstacles that God has put in the path of sin and ruin. God's Obstacles The Bible The first one is the Bible. You cannot get very far in the path of sin without finding the Bible in your way. The Bible is one of the greatest hindrances to sin in the world. With its warnings, invitations, descriptions of the character and consequences of sin, representations of righteousness, its beauty and reward and its pictures of God and His love, the Bible always stands as a great hindrance to sin. It makes men uneasy in sin. That is the reason many men hate the Bible. They are determined to sin and the Bible makes them uneasy in sin, so they hate the book. Men will give you many reasons why they object to the Bible, but in 99 cases out of 100, if you trace men's objections, you will find the reason they hate the Bible is that it makes them uneasy in their sin. Men sometimes say to me, I object to the Bible because of its filthy stories. But when I look at their lives, I find that their lives are filthy. The real objection is not to filthy stories, of which there are none. Stories of sin there are, stories that paint sin in its true colors, stories that make sin hideous. Their objection is not to filthy stories, but the Bible makes them uneasy in their filthy lives. This is why they hate it. The Bible makes it hard to continue in sin. How often a man has been turned back from the path of sin by a single verse in the Bible. Hundreds of men have been turned out of the path of sin by Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Thousands of men have been turned out of the path of sin by Amos chapter 4 verse 12. Prepare to meet thy God. Tens of thousands of men have been turned out of the path of sin by John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. And by John chapter 6 verse 37, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Several years ago, a man came into our church in Chicago. He was a rampant infidel who had not been in a house of worship for fifteen or sixteen years. I don't know why he came in that night. I suppose he saw the crowd coming and was curious to know what was going on. He sat down and I began to preach. In my sermon, I quoted John chapter 6, verse 37, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. It went like an arrow into that man's heart. When the meeting was over, he got up and went out and tried to forget that verse, but could not. He went to bed but could not sleep. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out, kept ringing in his mind. The next day it haunted him at work, and the next, and the next, and for days and weeks that verse haunted him, but he was determined not to come to Christ. He came back to the street where our church stands, walked up and down the sidewalk, stomped his foot and cursed the text, but he could not get rid of it. Six weeks passed, and he came into our prayer meeting, stood up, and said, I was here six weeks ago and heard your minister preach. I heard the text, John chapter 6, verse 37, and I have tried to forget it, but it has haunted me day and night. I have walked up and down the sidewalk in front of your church, I have stomped on the sidewalk and cursed the text, but I can't get rid of it. Pray for me. We did, and he was saved. One text from God's word turned him out of the path of sin and ruin. A Mother's Influence The second obstacle that God has put in the path of sin is a mother's holy influence and teaching. Many hundreds of men and women are sitting in church services but are not yet Christians. They have tried to be infidels, tried to plunge into sin, but their mother's holy influence and Christian teaching won't let them go the way they desire. Sometimes it is years later that a mother's teaching does its work. We had a young fellow who went west to Colorado in the mining times. He worked in the mines during the day and gambled at night, as so many miners do, but he spent more money gambling than he made in the mines. One night he was at the gaming table and lost his last cent. Then he used some of his employer's money and lost that. He felt he was ruined. He left the gaming table, went up into the mountains, drew his revolver, and held it to his temple. He was about to pull the trigger when a word that his mother had spoken to him years before came to his mind. My son... If you are ever in trouble, think of God. And there, standing in the moonlight with a revolver pressed against his temple and his finger on the trigger of the cocked revolver, he remembered what his mother had said. He dropped to his knees and cried to God. He was saved, turned out of the path to hell by a mother's teaching. A Mother's Prayers Another obstacle that God has put in the path of sin and ruin is a mother's prayers. In the desperate hardness of our hearts, we often trample our mother's teaching underfoot. 
but we find it very hard to get over her prayers. How often at the last moment a man is saved by his mother's prayers. In my church in Chicago, a man stood outside in the old days with a pitcher of beer as the people came out of the meeting and offered them a drink out of that pitcher of beer. He was hard and desperate and wicked, but he had a praying mother in Scotland. One night, when he went home from the meeting where he had caused trouble, he was awakened in the middle of the night and was saved without getting out of bed in answer to the prayers of a godly mother in Scotland. This man went back to Scotland to see his mother. He also had a brother who was a sailor in the China Seas. The mother and the saved son knelt down and prayed for the wandering boy, and that very night while they prayed, the Spirit of God came down upon that sailor, and he was saved. That brother, Dr. Morrison, became a missionary to India, saved by a mother's prayers. I stand here a saved man, because when I was rushing headlong into the path of sin and ruin, my mother's prayers rose, and I could not get over them. I used to think that nobody had anything to do with my salvation, no living being, for I was awakened in the middle of the night. I had gone to bed with no more thought of becoming a Christian than I had of jumping over the moon. In the middle of the night, I jumped out of bed and started to end my miserable life. But something came upon me, and I dropped to my knees. In five minutes from the time I got out of bed to take my life, I had surrendered to God. I thought no man or woman had anything to do with it, but I found out a woman had, my mother, 427 miles away, praying, and while I had gotten over sermons and arguments and churches, I could not get over my mother's prayers. Do you know why some of you are not in hell right now? Your mother's prayers have kept you out of hell. Sermons Another obstacle is the sermons we hear. How many thousands and tens of thousands of men are turned back from sin to God by sermons that they hear or read. Sometimes the sermon does its work years after it is heard. I remember one time in my first pastorate, I prepared a sermon on the parable of the ten virgins. One member of my congregation was very much on my heart. I prayed that the woman would be saved by that sermon. I preached that sermon and fully expected to see her saved, but when I gave the invitation, she never made a sign. I went home and did not know what to make of it. I said I prayed for her conversion by that sermon and fully expected her conversion, but she is not converted. I don't know what to make of it. Years later, when I had gone to another pastorate, I heard that this woman was converted. I revisited the place and called on her. I said, I'm very glad to hear you have been converted. She said, Would you like to know how I was converted? I said I would. Do you remember preaching a sermon years ago on the ten virgins? When you preached that sermon, I could not get it out of my mind. I felt I must take Christ that night, but I would not and that sermon followed me, and I was converted years later by that sermon. I had been sure she would be converted by that sermon, but I did not see it for years. Sunday School Teacher's Influence Another obstacle is a Sunday school teacher's influence in teaching. They bring many to Christ. How many today have been brought to Christ by the teaching of a faithful Christian man or woman in the Sunday school? I want to say to you, Sunday school teachers, 
that a faithful teacher is one of God's best instruments on earth for the salvation of the perishing. In Mr. Moody's first Sunday school in Chicago, he had a class of very unruly girls. Nobody could manage them. But finally, he found a young man who was able to. One day, this young man came into Mr. Moody's shop. It was before Mr. Moody went out of business and said, Mr. Moody, and he burst into tears. Mr. Moody said, What is the matter? The doctor says I have tuberculosis and that I must go to California at once or die. And he sobbed as if his heart would break. Mr. Moody tried to comfort him and said, Suppose that is so. You have no occasion to feel so bad. You are a Christian. It is not that, Mr. Moody. I am perfectly willing to die. I am not afraid to die. But here I have had this Sunday school class all these years, and not one of them in it is saved. I am going off to leave them, and everyone is unsaved. And he sobbed like a child. Mr. Moody said, Wait, I will get a carriage, and we will drive around and visit them. One by one you can lead them to Christ. He took the pale teacher in the carriage, and they drove around to the homes of the girls. He talked to them about Christ, until he was so tired that he had to be taken home. The next day they went out again, and they went out every day until every one of these women but one was saved. Then they all met for a prayer meeting before he went away. One after another led in prayer, and at last the one unsaved woman in the whole company led in prayer too and accepted Christ. He left by the early train the next morning, and Mr. Moody went down to the train to see him off. As they were waiting, one by one, the women dropped in without any prearrangement until every one of the young women was on the platform. He spoke a few words of farewell to them, and as the train pulled out of the station, he stood on the back platform of the car with his finger pointing heavenward, telling his Sunday school class to meet him in heaven. Kindness God often throws a kind word or act as an obstacle in the path of sin. A lady friend of mine was standing in a window looking out on Bleecker Street, New York. A drunkard came down the street. He had been a man in higher circumstances. He had been the mayor of a southern city, but had declined from drink and was now a penniless drunkard on the streets of New York. He made up his mind to commit suicide and started for the river. But as he was going down Bleecker Street, he thought, I will go into a tavern and have one more drink. I have spent a lot of money in that tavern, and I can certainly persuade the man for one drink. He went in and asked for a drink. He told the man he had no money to pay for it, and the man came around from behind the bar and kicked him into the gutter. You are welcome, man, as long as you have money, he said. My friend, looking out of the window, saw the poor wretch picking himself up out of the gutter. She crossed over and wiped the mud off with her handkerchief and said, Come over here. It is bright and warm, and you will be welcome. So the poor wretch went over and sat down behind the stove. The meeting began, and one after another gave their testimony. When it was over, that lady came and spoke to him about his soul. His heart was touched, and he was saved. He obtained a position and then earned a better one. Finally, he was made manager of one of the largest publishing houses in the city of New York. One day he came to my friend and said, I have some friends down at a hotel. I want you to meet them. She went to the hotel and he introduced her to a fine-looking middle-aged woman and a fine-looking young lady and said, This is my wife and daughter. 
They were beautiful, refined, cultured ladies whom he had left when he descended to the very verge of hell, but the kind act and a word of invitation to Christ had turned him from the path to hell to the path that leads to glory. Let us go as the missionaries of God's grace to block the path of sinful people with kind deeds and thus turn them to righteousness and to God. The Work of the Holy Spirit Another obstacle that God puts in the path of sin and ruin is the Holy Spirit and His work. How strange it is! You and I have experienced it. When we were right in the midst of festivity, a strange feeling came into our hearts, an unrest, a dissatisfaction with the life we were living, a longing for something better, memories of home, church, mother, Bible, and God. One night a man was playing cards at the table. He was wholly given up to the world. He belonged to a family of nobility, not a nobleman himself, but connected with members of the nobility. But he was a wild, reckless English spendthrift, and there he sat playing cards, when suddenly the voice of God's Spirit spoke in his heart. He thought he was about to die. He sprang up from the table, threw down his cards, and rushed to his room. There was someone in the room, and at first he thought, it won't do to pray while the maid is in the room. But he was so convicted that he did not care. He dropped down by his bed and called upon God for Christ's sake to forgive his sins. That man was Brownlow North, who did such a great work for God in Ireland and Scotland in 1859 and 1860. Listen, if you were in some den of infamy last night, was there a wretchedness, a sense of self-disgust, a longing for something better, a calling to a purer life that came into your heart? What was it? God's Spirit. As you consider this today, there is a stirring in your heart, and you are saying to yourself, I wonder if I had better not become a Christian tonight. You may have almost a determination to stand up as soon as the invitation is given. What is it? God's sending His Spirit to blockade the road to hell. Listen to God's Spirit right now. Yield to Him and accept Christ. The Cross of Christ The cross of Christ is one other obstacle that God has put in the road as a blockade in the path to hell. No man can get very far down the path of sin and ruin before he sees the cross looming in front of him. On that cross there hangs a man, the Son of Man, the Son of God. You see him hanging there with nails in his hands and feet, and a voice says, It was for you. I bore this for you. I died for you. In the pathway of every man and woman today stands the cross with Christ on it. If you go out and continue in sin, you will have to pass by the cross and the crucified form of the Son of God. I heard of a godly old man who had a worthless son. That son was more anxious to make money than he was for honor or anything else, and he determined to go into that infamous business in which there is lots of money, but which no self-respecting man will undertake, the liquor business. Any man who is willing to earn money by selling alcohol will earn money out of the tears of broken-hearted wives, the groans and sighs of the drunkards' sons and daughters, and the heart's blood of their fellow men, because this infernal alcohol traffic is sending thousands of men to premature graves every year. This infernal alcohol traffic is causing more sorrow 
more ruined homes, and more wretchedness than perhaps anything else on earth. And every pub owner, every barman, every barmaid, and every professed Christian who owns stock in breweries or distilleries is a party to the crime. You have plenty to say about the alcohol seller and the bartender. I would like to know how he is any worse than professing Christians who own brewery stock. He gets the abuse and you get the money. But you will get the eternal damnation unless you get out of the infernal business. Well, this man had lost his self-respect to such an extent that he was going to open a tavern. His father was ashamed. He pleaded with him. He said, My boy, you bear an honored name, which has never been disgraced before. Don't disgrace it by putting it up over a tavern. But the son was so intent on making money that he would not listen to his father's voice. The day came to open the tavern. The father was about the first to arrive. He stood outside the door of that bar and stepped up to every man that approached the door. He told them of the miseries that came from strong drink and warned them of the consequences of entering such a place. One after another, they turned away. The son looked out the window to see why he was getting no customers. He saw his father outside, turning his customers away. He came outside and said, Father, go home. You are ruining my business. The father answered, I cannot help it, my boy. I won't have my name dishonored by this business, and if you are determined to go on with it, I will stand here and warn every man that comes to enter your door. Finally, the son lost his temper and struck his old father. I tell you, this alcohol business takes the humanity out of people. He struck his old father in the face. The father turned to him without the least bit of anger. He said, My son, you can strike me if you will. You can kill me if you will. But no man shall enter your tavern unless he goes over my dead body. No man or woman will ever enter hell unless they trod over the dead body of Jesus Christ. No man or woman can go out refusing Christ and persisting in sin without trampling underfoot the form of Jesus who was crucified on the cross of Calvary for you. God has piled the obstacles so high in His patient love. Don't try to conquer them. Turn back. Turn out of the path of sin. Turn into the path of faith in Jesus Christ. Turn now.